If you have a Bible, and I hope you or somebody around you does that you can look on with, let me invite you to open with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Feel free to use table of contents if you need to, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning, I want to welcome those of you not just here in the room at Tyson's, but at Prince William and Loudoun, Montgomery County, as well as those from our Arlington location. There's actually a walkthrough happening today at our new Arlington location as we're looking forward, Lord willing, to getting into that location soon. And then for those of you who are online, we invite you to join us in person at any one of these locations. I am really encouraged and want all of us to know today we are sending out two new missionaries, Rebecca from MoCo and Ronvig from PW. So sisters in Christ in those two locations know that we are with you as a church family as you go. A lot of exciting things happening in our church family. At the same time, we're walking through challenging days. And I don't think I know of a person who's aware of all that's happening, no matter your perspective, who wouldn't agree with that statement. They might disagree on why these are challenging days but we would agree that these are challenging days in our church family. So for those of you who are maybe out of the loop, you're visiting with us today, last week I shared with our church that a group of people inside and outside this church is coordinating a divisive effort to use disinformation, and I would add a divisive effort to exploit people with sincere concerns in order to persuade people to vote down biblically qualified elder nominees in an effort to take control of this church. Leaders of this group have expressly said behind the scenes that their aim is to sow as many seeds of distrust as possible in leaders of this church. And they're using every means they can to do that. And I should start by saying thank you to the overwhelming number of brothers and sisters who have gone out of their way to express affirmation and encouragement to me and others in leadership during these difficult days. I, we appreciate your encouragement, confidence, expressions of commitment to moving forward together in the mission that God has given to us. We, we have heard you and your encouragement means more than you know. At the same time, I, we have also heard from well-meaning people who have sincere concerns or questions about the church, but who are being associated with ungodly practices among this group just because you have questions. And I wanna speak to you and say that I, we, hear your questions and concerns genuinely and take them seriously. I, we have absolutely nothing to hide. We've had face-to-face -face meetings with different people, processed a variety of emails, and based on feedback we've heard, we've tried to put answers to the most common questions in one central place in as clear, concise, and plain language as possible. So you can go after this gathering to mclanebible.org slash elder nominees. It will be updated today right after we finish. And there will be a place there 
where once you look through those questions, if you would still like to meet with a pastor to talk further, we would be glad to do that. This is how we wanna operate as a church, in the light together, not behind each other's back. We genuinely wanna work together now and at any time through any questions or concerns in a biblical way. Now even as I say that, I also think about hours of face-to-face meetings, not just this last week, but over the last year, that I and other elders and pastors and leaders have had processing all kinds of things, everything from COVID and when to open up and when to wear a mask or not, to politics, to race, to budget presentations, to church programs with all kinds of different people. And I realized that in the end of those conversations, we don't always see eye to eye. And that's actually a picture we see between friends in the Bible. I've thought a lot during the last year about Acts chapter 15 when Paul and Barnabas, so two heroes of the faith, disagreed over something to the point where they parted ways from each other. And I've thought if Paul, like the greatest preacher, missionary, pastor ever, and Barnabas, the most encouraging Christian ever, can't get along, what hope do we have? Right, and when I, when I read that account, I think, and I know other places in the New Testament, there's a way to stay together amidst disagreements. And I pray for that here, sincerely, continually pray for that. I want every follower of Jesus to know that even amidst disagreements on a variety of things, it's still possible to be church family. I want NBC to be a place where people with all kinds of convictions on matters of conscience that aren't clear in scripture can thrive. At the same time, based on Acts 15, I also realize there will be times when brothers and sisters who disagree on particular issues decide to part ways. I realize there have been and will be good brothers and sisters in Christ who disagree on various things to the point where they choose to be a part of another church. And the reality is, we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's hurt and sadness on all kinds of levels involved in that parting of ways. Just imagine Paul and Barnabas experiencing that. But there's also hope that we'll be working for the spread of the gospel in different places and the door will be open for reconciliation, for people to return at any point, for us to partner together in ministry in the future, just like we see happen with Paul and Barnabas. And we know that one day we're gonna be around God's throne together in perfect unity, and we long for that day. And I wanna I want be clear, because I, I know my every word is twisted right now. I don't mention parting ways to say, just leave the church. On the contrary, I want us to love each other well and move forward together in every way possible. And I certainly don't want anyone with a question or concern to leave the church. At the same time, I know biblically that it's healthy for every follower of Jesus to be in a church where you can follow leaders of that church according to Hebrews 13. And I can say on behalf of myself and other leaders in this church based on Hebrews 13, we're learning amidst all of this how to better shepherd this body because we're certainly not beyond making mistakes and we need to grow in all of this. 
The point is there's a biblical picture of staying together and there's a biblical picture of parting ways, both of which can honor God. But what does not honor God and what must never be promoted or tolerated among God's people is handling disagreements in unbiblical ways like what's currently happening using disinformation and online platforms for character attacks and sowing seeds of distrust in the church. That is not from God. And where it is from leads to, just wait, where it's from leads to the last thing I'll mention. I trust we all realize this is a spiritual battle and our enemy is never another person but spiritual forces of evil at work in the heavenly realms. And the way to fight spiritual battle is with spiritual weapons. So on that webpage, we've created a seven-day guide for prayer and fasting this week, beginning today. And I wanna call our church family to do just that, to pray and fast maybe like you've never done before. And then on this Friday night, July 16th at 7 p.m. here at Tyson's, I wanna invite anyone from any location to come together for a prayer gathering for our church family. If you're physically able, I would invite you to fast on that Friday, if not other days during the week. I would ask groups who are getting together to meet this week to fast and pray. I saw that some, many of our young adults are planning to fast on Thursday together this week. Let's fast and pray. The Lord took me one day in my time with him this week to Mark 9 where I was reminded of that phrase Jesus uses, that certain types of ministry require extra prayer and fasting. And I'm convinced we're in one of those certain times. The only way we can experience unity and harmony in Christ through this is if God brings it about. He is our only hope. And that is a good thing to realize. It's a good thing for us together to press into him because in the end, he is the goal. And that's so important for you to hear from me. It's the most important thing I want you to hear from me. Yes, I want to ask every single member of this church to prioritize being here next Sunday, July 18th, so that you can vote on whether or not before God, you believe these three men are biblically qualified to serve as elders in this church. That's really important. Be here, rearrange, schedule. I cannot emphasize that enough to, to be a part of this vote. But in the end, it's not ultimately about a vote on three elder nominees. The point in the end is about us moving forward together as a body experiencing not just the unity but the beauty of what it means to be the church according to God's design. And only God can make that happen. And it is no coincidence that God in his sovereign wisdom would ordain that we would just so happen to be in this text on this Sunday. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. So can I just read from about two-thirds of the way through the passage and starting in verse 24, listen to what God has made sure we would hear him saying to us today. Verse 24, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Amen. 
Are you serious? Like, I didn't know where we were gonna be today as a church family. None of us did. But God did. And he set this text up for us today to say, I have, I have so composed the body, the church, in such a way that there may be no division in the body. The word there for division is schismata, from which we get schism. God is saying, like these are his words, saying, I've designed the church in such a way there would be no schism in the church. But instead, that the members may have care for one another. Like that's God speaking to us today. This is what we need most. So rather than taking up more sermon time, trying to debunk disinformation, answer a variety of good questions, those things are important. One of the ways I want, we want to genuinely care for you is provide truth amidst disinformation, have helpful conversations, even this week. We wanna do that, but far more critical than even those things, our greatest need is to stop and just listen to what Jesus is saying to us as his church. And he's speaking loud and clear to us right now. He is saying, this church is my body and there should be no division in it. And I just wanna relay that word from God, if I can, to people all across this body today, this gathering today, to relay God's word. And I, I say relay because these are not my words, but God's word to people who are excited about the direction of our church, to people who may have questions but wanna work in godly ways to address them in our church. And I wanna relay the word of God to some of you who are totally outside the church right now. Maybe you're exploring Christianity, or maybe you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been disconnected from the church, and you're hearing today, maybe if you were here last week, about challenges in the church, and you're thinking, this is why I don't want to have anything to do with the church. I've been so burdened in all of this for people who are already skeptical of the church, maybe because of past hurt in your life, because of things you've observed, maybe because... Honestly, you're looking for a reason to leave the church altogether. Or maybe you so want to see a positive picture in the church. I've thought so much about the next generation, so I'll just include those of you in your 20s, your teens, and younger who are increasingly disillusioned by the church. Some of you wondering, what's the reason to stay? Is this worth giving my life to? You're straddling the fence. Maybe you even just still have just a toe in the water when it comes to the church. Like I'm so burdened for praying specifically for you as you're wondering what's so different, unique, beautiful about the church. And I want to say to you, I want to show you today on behalf of God that the church is absolutely different utterly unique and far more beautiful than any community you will find anywhere else in this world. I wanna show you this. If you're on the fence about the church, not just in NBC, but any church, 
if you're continued, committed to continuing to be a part of NBC, even as you contemplate how you fit in the future of NBC, or even if, I would say even if, you choose in the Acts 15 kind of way to part ways because of concerns you have. If that's you, I would ask you to pray that what we see here in God's word would hold true in NBC. And whatever church you're a part of, we regularly pray, pray for God's grace in all types of churches all over the city that the church, that this church, that every church would, one, exalt Jesus Christ above everything. If you were to ask me what makes the church different, unique, more beautiful than any other community in the world. Here's the first thing. The church exalts Jesus Christ above everything. And this is critical. This is so critical because there is no one and nothing else in this world worth exalting above everything. There's one group of people that says him above everything. Let Let me show you this. Jump back up in verse 12 where this passage starts. And God's word says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So you see body mentioned three times here, right? You might circle them, underline them. And then you see members mentioned twice. And if you read from this verse all the way down to the end of the chapter, verse 31, you will see body or member or part mentioned 36 different times. So you'll be circling a lot. This whole passage, starting with this verse, is about the church being the body of Christ and individual followers of Christ being members of the body. Now, we'll talk about that imagery more in a minute, but what's amazing about this language in this verse is that it's making a comparison. Do you see it? Just as, just as this, so is that. So the comparison is just as You have a body made up of many members, so you have Christ. So Christ is like a body made up of many members. You following what God is saying to us right now in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. God is telling us that Jesus so identifies with his followers that Jesus calls them members of his body. I think about that language. Do you identify with members of your body? Yes, these are my arms, my legs, my ears, eyes, nose. Jesus says, that's how I view you, Christian. You're a part, you're a member of me. I'm united to you. And this makes the church utterly unique and totally different than anything else in this world. The church is united together as the body of Jesus Christ. And then the next verse takes it a step deeper. Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So the spirit of Jesus makes us one body, no matter who we are. Jew, Greek, slave, free, doesn't matter. All were made to drink of one spirit. Are you getting the imagery here? You have, Jesus is saying to us right now, you have my spirit in you as a body. 
And this is powerful imagery. Do you remember the illustration I've used before talking about who we are in Christ, our identity and our security in Christ with these Tupperware containers? So I want you to follow with me just in case you've not seen it. But then if you have seen it, we're going to take it a step deeper. So let's start with this one right here. So this is going to be you. So this is your life. So this is, there you are right there, okay? That's you. When you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that Christ, so I'm going to write Christ on this one. So there's Christ. So Christ comes to live in you. Colossians 1.27, Christ is in you, the hope of glory, sealed. That's the language in Ephesians chapter one, forever. For all of eternity, Christ in you. 10 billion years from now, Christ in me. Hope of glory. That's, that's who we are. But not just that. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 30 says that you, as a Christian, are in Christ. So let's take our big one here and write Christ on this one and put Christ in you, you are now in Christ. Now we have a little clearer picture of who you are using large Tupperware containers. <laughs> and we've talked about this before, that just, this is not the purpose of the sermon today, but let this be a fresh word for many of you today who are walking through all kinds of challenges just in your life right now. Like you're like, okay, I don't even know how to think about challenges in the church. Like, I don't know all that you've walked through this last week, sleepless nights you've had, and all you've walked through this last year, and what's going on in your life, or your health, or your family, or your marriage, with your kids, your work, whatever it might be. And I don't know how the all the ways the adversary is trying to come at you, trying to discourage you, trying to break you down, but I just wanna encourage you in a fresh way that when the adversary comes after you, he's gotta get through Christ to get to you, and he does not have a good track record there. He thought he had one until three days later Jesus rose from the dead, conquering, crushing the serpent, Satan himself, and then if for some reason he were to able, be able to get through Christ, he would still come to you and have to face the supernatural Holy Spirit of God inside of you. So I would say, no matter what arrows, attacks the adversary brings against you, you have nothing to fear when you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So be encouraged today and just receive that word today. Even though that's not even the point, Ultimately, because we, so we've seen this, but I want you to see what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. So let me, let me show you. 1 Corinthians 6 talked about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, Christ dwelling in us. But if you go back, so I'm gonna put it up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. You could turn there or just look at it on the screen with me. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Now, again, does that mean just, yeah, he dwells in my body like 1 Corinthians 6 is talking about? 
No. It's interesting. First Corinthians chapter three, you know what? That you in both those places is plural. Meaning he's not just talking about God's spirit in individual followers of Jesus. He's talking about God's spirit in the church. You back up in 1 Corinthians 3, what you'll find is the whole chapter is addressing divisions in the church and how different people were tempted to get into different camps and different groups. And God says, what are you doing? God's spirit dwells in all of you together as a body. It says in verse 21, you keep going down, let no one boast in men. They were talking about different leaders, Paul, Apollos. He says, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All things are yours and you are Christ and Christ is God's. So, so the picture here is not just Christ is in you as an individual. Yes, that, but in an even deeper way, follow this. What 1 Corinthians is teaching is Christ is in you as a church. He's with the, I'm not going to draw this all the way around, but you get the point. I don't know what's going on over there, but the picture is, Christ is in us. You look at Revelation chapter one. It says he's in the middle of his church. Like right now in this gathering of the church, he's in our midst. He is in us and we together, all of us together are in him. And when we live with this kind of perspective, it changes the way we relate to each other. We don't, we don't, Work toward division, schism in the body. We're the body of Christ. We care for one another. Why? Because we're with Christ. He's in us. We're in him. Do you see the picture of what God is saying to us right now? And how this makes the church utterly unique, exalting Jesus Christ above everything. Like there's no other group like this in the world. Every other group in the world unites under a particular platform or ideology or philosophy or particular way of looking at the world. Washington DC is filled with groups like that. Not us, not the church. There's only one group in whom the spirit of Christ dwells. And it's the body of Christ called the church and it's completely unique and infinitely beautiful. Why? Because it's his body. Do not ever confuse the church of Jesus Christ with any other group, any party, any assembly in this world. The church is utterly alone because it exists to exalt one name, the name that is above every name, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the bread of life. He's Christ, our creator, our deliverer, our everlasting father. He's the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the great high priest, the holy one. He's the image of the invisible God, the judge of the living and the dead. He is king of kings, Lord of lords. He's majestic, mighty. No one compares to him. The only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. He's the power of God. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the all sufficient savior supreme sacrifice. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and we exist to exalt his name above all. Above all, over everything, everything. 
he, he's the one who makes us beautiful. So let's guard this beauty with everything we've got from every attempt of the adversary to focus our attention elsewhere. Jesus is in us. We're in him. And we have nothing to fear when we exalt Jesus Christ above everything. That's number one. First thing. (laughs) It makes the body of Christ, the church, utterly different and eternally beautiful. So second, second, what makes the body of Christ different, unique, beautiful? The church thrives, not in spite of our differences, but because of our differences. This is what makes the church beautiful. Meaning, so let me, let me clarify what this sentence is saying that I wanna show you that comes straight from God's word. There are many groups in the world of people that would say, we have a lot of differences, but in spite of those differences, we still get together to do this or that. As if their differences are negative and unfortunate. And it'd be nice if they weren't there, but they deal with them, and press on and work together anyway. But that is not how the church views differences. We don't actually wish we were all the same. We're actually thankful we are different. Obviously, we're the same when it comes to the gospel, submission to God's word, exaltation of Jesus' name, but we're different in so many other ways that are so good. Let me show you this, straight from God's word, starting in verse 14. About the body of Christ, God says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. That's where we started. There may be no division in the body. The members may have the same care for one another. Now do you see this verse in its context celebrating different members as part of one body? In this imaginary dialogue between different parts of a human body. And just think about what we know, more importantly what God knows about the human body. That's the imagery he's giving us, so let's think about this. Human body has over 200 bones that are stronger than steel. Did you know that a block of bone the size of a matchbox can support 18,000 pounds of weight? Those bones are linked together by about 900 ligaments and 4,000 tendons in each of our bodies that help them move. A lot of those bones are in your feet where you also have about 
8,000 nerves. They're obviously attached to your legs, which help you stand, walk, or dance. Michael Flatley from Riverdance <laughs> had his legs insured in 1999 for $40 million. You've never thought to insure your legs, have you? Your legs are attached to other parts of your body via your torso, which protects your internal organs, including your heart, lungs, and kidney. And your heart helps pump 60 to 100,000 miles of blood vessels throughout your body every moment, which means that if they were laid out, they would travel around the world three times. Coming out of your torso are your arms and hands, including your fingers. Did you know none of us has perfectly straight fingers? And all of our palms have tens of thousands of touch, touch receptors, nerve endings, that all operates everything according to the direction of our brains. We're about 100 billion neurons travel at speeds up to 250 miles an hour, which is about how fast the Venom GT went when it first set a world record. Don't you feel sometimes like this guy's racing around everywhere in your head? A head that by divine design includes two eyes, two ears, a nose, one mouth, that all work together to create senses of sight, taste, touch, hearing, and smell, making the human body arguably the most fascinating living form on earth. Like the mouth can even eat the toe. Do you get the point? The beauty of the human body is not found in spite of its different parts, but precisely because of its different parts. And God is saying, I'm the one who made the body that way. I'm the one who thought of 100 billion neurons and a brain and 8,000 nerves in your foot. I'm the one who did that, and I created my church the same way. Do you see the language? Verse 18, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. God designed it this way. Verse 24, God has so composed the body to give great honor to parts that lack it. Now remember the context for this. We studied it last week. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, starts by talking about how God gives spiritual gifts, supernatural gifts to every single member of the church, to every follower of Jesus. And not all those gifts are the same. Not all those gifts are perceived in the same way. I should add, so the Greek word for gifts here is charismata. So charis means grace. Ma means gifts. Grace gifts. God has given, this is beautiful, and his creativity, God has given unique expressions of his grace to different people, all of them necessary in order for the beauty of the body of Christ to shine. Different people from different Backgrounds and perspectives, remember verse 12 and 13, Jew, Greek, slave, free, with different expressions of God's grace in their lives, all coming together in one body, 
where their beauty shines, not because they're all alike, but because they're all different, and yet they're a part of one body with one spirit. As I was thinking about this, I, my mind immediately went to this beautiful body that God has composed at NBC. Just think. Like here's Gene Hunt. Did you know this brother is a retired rocket scientist who is fluent in seven different languages? Wow. Remember running into Gene one day and he had all these note cards with him? He was memorizing passages of scripture in seven different languages. Like, brother, I, I would say one is sufficient. <laughs> He's leading our church out in prayer and missions. Here's Cheryl Stokes. Shares the gospel with everybody she meets and also works with the National Missing Exploited Children Foundation, helping boys and girls who are broken become beautiful. Here's Tim Gormley. Here's a picture of him when we were in Ethiopia together. Tim's a retired two-star Marine, Marine fighter pilot who used to be over the entire region of Africa where Ethiopia is. That's who you want to go on a mission trip to Ethiopia with. The brother loves teaching God's word, serving in every way he can. And by the way, taking that picture is none other than Pastor Todd, a retired Navy SEAL with we'll just say, a special set of skills. <laughs> or what about Ewat from Ethiopia, sharing the gospel as a nurse here in D.C., also known to serve some mad in Jira? Or how about Michael? This brother sings, plays guitar on our worship team here at Tyson's. What people don't know as he's singing, playing guitar, is that this brother is, and I don't use this term casually, a genius ceramics specialist. Like only a thousand or so people have his job in the world specializing in ceramics for everything from toilets to rocket engines. He is helping all of our lives. Or did you know the mysterious Jay from Jay's Wintry Mix is a member of NBC Laden? Like nearly 70,000 people across the DMV getting their weather in the winter from the mysterious Jay. And I won't mention his last name so he can keep his secret. Or how about Kate from Arlington? whose picture I can't put up here, who grew in faith here in this church and served on staff, and then we sent her out not long ago to the Middle East, where she's gone through all kinds of health challenges, but persevered in sharing the gospel in a really hard place. Or Patrick from MoCo, one of our elders, whose full-time job is a dentist, who leads an Esau ministry, while also working to get the gospel into some of the darkest places in the world. Or how about Marissa? known across the world for her amens in sermons in this room. Always coming up to me in her wheelchair out in that lobby saying, how can I help you or somebody else? I could go on and on and on, but I trust you get it. Do you see the beauty of the body of Christ that he has made us members of? Like what a joy to be a pinky in this body with unique grace from God. And I haven't actually talked about, dove into spiritual gifts here, but don't miss the point. The church is a body where every single person possesses unique spiritual grace. For what reason? We saw it last week. For the building up of that body. 
And we love that we're not all like each other. Our different grace gifts make the body of Christ beautiful. Church exists. Jumped ahead. All right, third and final picture that makes the church, the body of Christ, different, unique, and beautiful, according to 1 Corinthians 12. Here it is. The church exists for a mission larger than any one of our individual lives. This is what makes the body of Christ beautiful. It reminds us every week when we come together that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. And I want to show you this in two ways in God's word here. One, the church is on a mission to care for each other in a world of inevitable hurt. That's where we started today in verses 24 and 20 through 26. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. In such a way that if one member suffers, all suffer together. What a phrase. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Is that not beautiful? A picture of a people so bound together that they experience the highs and lows in life as if they were in each other's shoes. That when you rejoice, it's like I'm rejoicing. When you're hurting, it's like I'm hurting. I can think of three specific examples of church members close to me and my family who we've talked with over just the last week going through major personal physical challenges, all hurting. And one of them said to me, David, I don't understand all that's going on in the church right now, but I do know this. I am so thankful for how this church is loving me and my spouse as we're going through what we're going through. And brothers and sisters, I would submit we are hearing this straight from God. That is what we should be doing. This is what we must be about. There are so many hurting people in this body. Right now, I read a long email from one last night, an older man who has no idea all that's going on in the church, but is begging for somebody to reach out to him because he's hurting and alone. And brothers and sisters, we must stop dividing in the body in order that we might care for one another in a world where we're bombarded with challenges everywhere outside the church, we need to be a place where people are built up inside the church. To use the picture from my brother last week, where we have each other's back. And then, for us to look beyond ourselves. So many people around us in need of the gospel while so many people with the gospel go back and forth at each other. Surely that is not God's design for the body of Christ. God has given, we saw it last week, supernatural gifts with supernatural power. And then you look at the end of 1 Corinthians 12 here, you see this list. We don't have time to dive into all that it means, but just get the overall feel apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and gifts of healing and helping and administrating in tongues, this variety of grace gifts. Again, not all the same, but all coming together 
joined together for a purpose, to demonstrate Christ and his love, the good news of who he is and what he has done, the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. And this is where I just want to be crystal clear. Amidst slander saying that I or other leaders in the church want to take this church down a road of liberal theology that leaves the gospel and God's word behind. When I, we stake our lives on this gospel, I love this word more than I love my own life. And I believe it, like every word of it, no matter what that means in this world. I and others have been accused of being liberal when we just preached a series on abortion and sexuality and said those who unrepentantly flaunt God's word on issues like this go to hell. Hell meaning a place of eternal, conscious, fiery torment that will never, ever, ever end. And to all my other friends in the DMV, I am, we are crazy off the rails conservatives because we actually believe the Bible. And I know every one of these elder nominees believes the Bible, but I guess that's the question for us as a church in this moment. Do we together actually believe the Bible Because if we do, and there are five million people around us in this city on a road that leads to hell, and we have the good news of the God who has made a way for them to know him and have eternal life with him in heaven, if we believe that, then we will spend our time and our energy and our efforts not going at each other, but going after together men and women and boys and girls who need to know that God loves them so much. He sent his one and only son to die so they might not perish and have everlasting life. Like this is who the church is. This is what the church does together. We lay down our lives, our preferences, our possessions, our comforts, our Rights, we come together in a community for the purpose of getting the greatest news in the world to as many people as possible. And the little bit of time that we have here, we come together for a mission that is larger than any one of our lives. So let's look beyond ourselves to a world that desperately needs his love. And let's not let the adversary distract or divide us on that mission. Like for those of you who are exploring Christianity more than anything else, I pray that you will know, like right where you're sitting right now, that the God of the universe loves you so much that even though you have sinned against him as we all have, we've all turned away from God in his ways to ourselves and our own ways, And even though you and we all deserve eternal judgment before him, God loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for the sins of anyone who will trust in him to forgive them of their sins and to give them eternal life with him. God invites you to trust in Jesus Christ today. And in this, 
God invites you to be a part of the body of Christ today. You in him, him in you, and together a part of a people unlike any other group in this world. A uniquely diverse people from every nation, tribe, and language with all kinds of different, unique grace gifts who come together to exalt the name of Jesus above everything and spread the love of Jesus everywhere. This is the church, the body of Christ, and there is nothing else like it. So, will you, will you bow your heads with me before God? Just each one of us to have a moment before God. If I could ask you, have you placed your faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to reconcile you to relationship with God, to have eternal life with God? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today on your way home, do you know that you would spend eternity with God in heaven? If the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, I invite you, let this be the moment. Just say to God, yes. God, I've sinned against you, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, rose from the graves, so that I could have eternal life. Today, I place my faith, my trust in Jesus. I trust you with my life. I want to be a part of your body. Oh God, would you bring about faith like that in hearts all across all these locations right now, individual lives that you have planned to be here today. And God, for all of us in whose hearts you have worked that miracle of faith, we say together, thank you for the undeserved privilege and indescribable honor of being a member in the body of Christ. We are overwhelmed right now. We should, each of, we should be in hell right now. Here we are celebrating your life in us, the opportunity to be a part of a body, member of a body that's joined together under you, the one who will never, ever fail us. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. You're the head of the church. And we ask for your help, especially during these days. Jesus, please help us. Please guard us. God, help us. You've spoken so clearly to us today. Thank you for your word. We love your word. We love how it speaks to where we are. We thank you for ordaining would be in this text on this day. So help us so there might be no division in the body, but that we might care for one another. Make us the church that you've composed, arranged, designed us to be, we pray. For our good for the spread of the gospel in the world and ultimately for your glory. We pray all these things together in the name of Jesus and all of the body of Christ said together, amen.